Well, please do take a seat. I'm going to invite Liz to come and read from John chapter 11 before Phil speaks to us. Thank you, Liz. Reading this morning from John's Gospel, chapter 11. If you've got one of the church Bibles, it's on page 1077. We're reading John 11. We'll read verses 1 to 3 and then go over to 17 through to 44. I'm not sure of the instructions. I think some of the children are going to transition to different classes. Some are staying. Youth are definitely staying. So hopefully you know what you're doing. (coughs) If you're visiting this morning, you've got children with you, then do feel free to keep them in, take them out, whatever suits you best. John chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Over to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she'd said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who'd been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odour, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. 
When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Thanks so much for that reading, Liz. Can I just say a a happy Easter to everyone? It's a joyful day, isn't it? It's been wonderful to hear the testimony of Hannah and and Lima. What we we do in this church is uh, we open uh, the Bible, uh, which are historical scriptures, scriptures that have been uh, read by Christians for the last 2,000 years. The the passage we're reading this morning comes from the book of John, John lived to around 90 AD, so his book was circulating among the Christian church in those very early years. Uh, so this is, this is a historical eyewitness account of what Jesus did. Interestingly, all we have of Jesus' biographies are the last three years of his life. It's not like a David Beckham biography where it's all about how he became a great footballer. Actually, Jesus' biography is a, a third of it is all about how he died. Uh, that's, that's the biography we're opening up this morning. And yet, compared to David Beckham as well, uh, isn't it interesting how a Jewish peasant who died 2,000 years ago of the record of his life, we only have the last three years, that record has changed billions of lives over the last 2,000 years. Isn't that a miracle? Well, we're going to be looking at the miracle of this account now. When you look at recent news stories, there are many stories of people coming back to life after being pronounced dead. They're not all that rare. So four months ago, a man called Gonzalo Montoya Jimenez, a 29-year-old Spanish guy, no no wonder there, um, he uh, he was a prisoner in a Spanish jail, and he was found unconscious in his cell. He was declared dead by three doctors, and four hours later, he was laid uh, on, on an autopsy table. A few minutes after that, one of the morticians began, uh, heard him begin to snore gently. He'd actually been asleep for the last four hours. His mum said that the discovery had come just in time because Gonzalo's body had even had the marks painted on it to guide the autopsy. Rarer still are people who are alive but still turn out to be dead. That's what happened to a 63-year-old Romanian man called Constantin Reliu. He moved to Turkey in 1992 for work, lost contact with his wife and family. 25 years later, his wife registered him as dead. He, meanwhile, was alive and well in Turkey and had no idea that this had happened. So it was only when the Turkish authorities discovered his documents had expired and deported him back to Romania that he realized and discovered that he'd been registered as dead in his homeland. He immediately appealed the ruling, even appearing in court, providing the court with conclusive evidence that he was, in fact, very much alive. Incredibly, though, he lost the case. (laughs) Because, technically, his appeal had come too late. So, dead people can come back to life if they're not really dead. And living people can be registered as dead even though they're living. 
But the story we've read this morning is one that has no bizarre medical or legal explanation to help us get our minds around it. Lazarus had been dead for four days. And the record says his body stank. And then Jesus raised him from the dead. But more than the miracle is what the miracle means. You see, this account is not just a story that shows Jesus' extraordinary power. It's a story that teaches us this morning that living people like you and I can have life. Not just life now, but life in eternity. So let's look at this passage together. And the first thing I want to say is Jesus makes a huge claim, a big claim. And that's our first point this morning. I am the resurrection. It's a big claim. The background is that Lazarus had fallen ill and had died. He'd been dead for four days and his sisters, Mary and Martha, called for Jesus, whom they thought could heal him from his sickness. And in verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. There are those small eyewitness details which help us understand this is not mythical. You wouldn't find uh, um, a, a, a fairy tale saying, oh, and Little Red Riding Hood's house, Little Red Riding Hood's mum stayed in the house to cook some bread. They're not details you find in myths. These are historical details. So Mary remained in the, in the house. Martha said to Jesus, though, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Many of us resonate with that emotion, don't we? It's the shock that hits when a loved one dies. No one prepares us for it. It's a hammer blow. And people gather around, friends and relatives, they come to grieve. And in the story, Martha turns to Jesus, the person who she thought would be able to heal Lazarus. And in her grief, she cries out to him. If he'd been there, he could have healed Lazarus. He could have stopped death from overtaking him. But look at what Jesus says. Well, in verse 23, your brother will rise again. On the face of it, it sounds like Jesus is saying something comforting. Jesus seems to be telling Martha that she can be comforted by the hope that one day her brother will rise again at the last resurrection when we all stand before God. And that's how Martha takes it. This is how she replies to Jesus. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She takes comfort. She believes that her brother, who was a man of God, would be raised when God comes to the earth. She believed that one day her brother would be raised back to life when the Messiah came. That was her Jewish faith. But that's not all that Jesus meant. Yes, that's going to happen, but he raises the stakes again. He makes a huge claim about himself and about the future hope of the resurrection. Look at verse 25. It's one of the most incredible statements in the Bible. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, he's not just saying that he's going to be at the resurrection like a helpless bystander or or an auditor. Nor is he claiming to be with the resurrected like Lazarus would be. His claim here is that he is going to be the resurrection when it happens. In other words, on that day, he will be the whole purpose and reason and power and glory that makes the resurrection happen. He was telling Martha that he was that power, is that power by which Lazarus would one day be given a new body. 
that would at Jesus' command be given life and breath and become conscious and be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God and stand before God with the resurrected. The source of that power, of that historical event in the future, will be Jesus, God the Son. And the question that has resounded through generations is what Jesus asks here. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And listen to how Martha responds. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Martha looked at the person of Jesus and concluded that the only person, the only hope we have in life and death is if we trust that Jesus is God come into the world. And at the time when she said this, she had no idea of how Jesus would make this happen. But she'd looked at the evidence. She'd looked at the person of Jesus the previous three years and she'd weighed up what she had seen. His power, his humility, his majesty, his might, his time that he gives to little people like children and the dismissal of arrogant people like the Pharisees who opposed him. She looked at all the evidence and she weighed it up by her absolute logic. This man cannot be a normal, ordinary man. He must be the Messiah from God. That is her conclusion. And it's a declaration of faith shared today by Lima and Hannah. Their baptism today is a testimony to their conviction that Jesus' power changes our lives today and will powerfully change our lives when we finally die. And it's a faith that has a simple implication. An implication that is pictured by baptism that we've witnessed today. I don't know whether you've ever been to a, to a baptism like this before, perhaps not. Maybe you've just seen children and infants being baptized, but it's all symbolic. Because Hannah and Lima have believed in Jesus. They've rejected their old way of life where they treated God badly. And they've come a new, alive to a new life where Jesus is their Lord and God. That's the symbolism of baptism. That's the symbolism of being lowered into the water. And you notice Josh held them there for a little second, enough to get us a little bit worried, and brought them up. That is that picture of dying to my old way of life and rising to a new, resurrected hope in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, you might be sitting here impressed by that story, impressed by Jesus' claim and challenged by the explanation, but how do we know it's true? How do we know that? As Jesus says, the one who believes in Jesus will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. How do we know that claim is true? The answer is in what Jesus does next. Let me read out to you what happens, and it leads to our second point. It's a, the second point is a big proof. A big proof. Look at me at verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. 
for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Jesus tells them to open the tomb. We have to remember that this is right in the middle of the aftermath of loss and grief. So it's a request that shows either staggering certainty of his power or crass insensitivity to those mourners. Jesus asks them to open the tomb. Where, where do you go with that? It's a shocking request. To put it into context, how would you feel if I started digging up the remains of a relative who had died four days ago so I could have a chat with them? Jesus asked them to open the tomb. Now, if Jesus had no power and no comprehension of his godness, then this act is embarrassingly cruel for the onlookers and a total and utter victory for the enemies of Jesus. The young man is dead. Dead people can't come back to life. Jesus had gone too far. They were hoping that he would say something dramatic like, Lazarus, come forth, and nothing would happen. Where do you go with that? Total, total discreditation of all that Jesus is and claims to be. So they do what he says. And then this happens. They took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And just as the living obeyed Jesus by moving the stone, the dead obeyed Jesus by coming back to life. That is his authority. Let me read from verse 44. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What does it mean? Well, it means that Jesus has the power and authority that he claims to have. He's not deluded. He made a claim and his actions prove that claim to be true and powerful and authentic And it means that Lima and Hannah and Christians throughout the millennia are not deluded either for trusting in the historical Jesus. Lima and Hannah believe the power of Jesus not only to raise Lazarus and to raise all people on the last day to judgment and salvation, but also in the ultimate proof of Jesus' power to do all this, which is the historical event of his own resurrection. You see, Jesus didn't just claim to be the resurrection of Lazarus or the Lord of the resurrection on the last day. He also claimed that he himself would be killed and would rise again after three days. Mark's account, another biography of Jesus, records it in chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said, he then began, oh sorry, Mark records, he then began to teach them that he, Jesus, must suffer many things and be rejected by rulers, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. Jesus knew that he would be killed, and he knew that he would rise again. And not only did he claim that, he also carried it out 
It's exactly what happened. It's what we celebrate this Easter. You see, Jesus' resurrection on that first Easter morning means that all who believe in him will have his confidence that death is not the end. We have his hope. And Christian hope is absolute certainty that when we die, we be with Jesus and we wait till he returns to this world on the last day. And then we will be resurrected. That is Christian certainty. So death is not the end. It's only the end of the beginning. When Christians die, we know for certain we see Jesus. So this morning, Jesus' question is still relevant. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? That Jesus is the resurrection and the life? You know, broadly speaking, there are four kinds of people in this room. There's the atheist who says there is no God. When we die... We are merely worm fodder. That is the end of our lives. There is no hope. There's the agnostic who says, well, there is a God, but I'm going to just take my chances and hope he likes me. There's the religious person who says, there is a God. I'm going to control him and try and please him by being good so that when I meet him, I hope I've done enough. There's the Christian who says, my only hope is the person of Jesus Christ. I cannot do enough. I know that he stands there at the resurrection and he will hold me to account. And all I can say is, Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, I have trusted you to deal with my attitude towards God. And because of that, you are my only hope my only certainty, my only future, my only power, my only resurrection. I only stand here before you trusting in your work, trusting in your death, trusting in your resurrection. That is the Christian future and hope. And perhaps today you've realized Jesus is more real than you've thought. Perhaps today you've not really given Jesus any thought. Well, can I encourage you to find out to ask questions of Jesus. Don't don't leave him on the shelf. Don't deny him. Don't try to control him. Examine him. Look at him. Carefully, carefully read through uh, uh, one of his biographies if you can and, and, and weigh up for yourself. Is this Jesus person the person in whom I can trust and have my hope? Well, on your chair are two things. One is, bo- is a booklet called The Real Easter. It simply explains more fully about what has happened on that first Easter morning. It's our gift to you. Please do take it home and read it through. The second is on your chair. Uh, the second thing on your chair is a flyer for our Christianity Explored course that starts in June. It's a really, really good opportunity uh, for six consecutive Monday nights of cookies and chats and discussion. You won't be asked to do anything out of your comfort zone. We simply look at the person of Jesus and we read through Mark's account of his life together and we ask questions and we debate and we share our opinions and we work out who this Jesus person is. And you'd be most welcome to come along to that if you'd like. If you're a Christian and have questions, come along. If you're not a Christian and have questions, come along. And just all you have to do is talk to myself or any one of the welcome team. Just say, look, here are my details. I'd like to come along. I like uh, chocolate brownies 
please make sure they're there on the third evening. Perhaps this morning, though, you've realized that your life, like Lima and Hannah's, once were. Today, you live your life your own way. You treat your God your own way, ignoring him, using him when it's convenient. Well, can I encourage you to look at this statement? I am the resurrection and the life. And it might be that this morning, as we've looked at this statement from Jesus, that we've realized we need to ask him to be Lord. If you'd like to do that this, uh, today, then don't leave it for another time. Talk to me after the service, or, or, or Dan, or, or anyone in the welcome team, and ask them to help you pray, help you to talk to, to Jesus. Uh, this is the phenomenal thing, because Jesus is alive today. We have absolute certain access to his presence, to his listening ear, by talking to him. And if you want to do that this morning, simply start talking to him by saying, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, I know you're listening to this because I'm speaking to you now. You have claimed to be a saviour. You've claimed to be Lord You've claimed to be the resurrection and the life. Will you make that claim clear to me today? Amen. That is simply all you need to talk to Jesus about. And if you want to do that this morning with someone, do so. Or in the quietness of your own mind, do so. But what we celebrate this Easter is the joyful, joyful claim that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And the joyful action that Jesus has been resurrected and will be the power of the resurrection and the life on the last day. Christians today, rejoice in your hope. Rejoice in your future certainty. Praise God with your whole heart and your whole mind and your whole voice. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus stepped out of an empty tomb. And declared to all the world, he is God the Son, the one who has the power and authority to raise the dead. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, we worship you and praise you this morning for your power and your authority, even over death. That what we consider to be the great unknown, you consider to be the great servant of God. That death has no victory, death has no power of God. Because you are the ultimate power. You are the ultimate authority. So that on the day of resurrection, you will be the power and authority through whom that happens. Oh, Father God, we thank you that Jesus came to this earth. Jesus lived on this earth. Jesus died on this earth. Jesus was resurrected on this earth. In history, in time, in place. And he commands our lordship. Father God, for those of us who love you, we we, we, we declare you our Lord once more this morning. 
because of Jesus. And we pray that all men and women, boys and girls, would know the power of Christ in them. That from life's first cry to the final breath, Jesus. That till he returns or calls us home, we stand in Jesus. Lord God, may we rejoice more this morning. May we rejoice in the hope that Jesus has brought us. And we praise you for the wonderful testimonies that we've heard today of two young ladies who have trusted their whole life now and whole future eternity into his hands. We praise you and worship you this morning. Fill us with joy, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.